We're continuing on in Exodus chapter 32 tonight, and we're going to finish the chapter. I promise we're going to finish this chapter. This is the third or fourth message. And then like 33, 34, 35 are really awesome. It's all awesome, but it kind of continues with the same idea. But then 36 to 40 uh, talks about the tabernacle again, because remember, God gave Moses the dimensions of the tabernacle on the mount, and now they're going to actually... Uh, put all those things into place. And I know we're verse by verse, but we're probably going to kind of highlight some stuff in those five chapters, maybe not read the whole the whole thing, because it's basically a replica of what we already read going through the um, the building of the tabernacle. It's, it's just actually it's put into action. So yeah, Exodus 32, we're in uh, verse 19 tonight. Verse 19. And we're going to go all the way to 35, um, not in one reading, verse by verse, but but it's been a rather intense chapter. It's been a rather intense chapter. Sin, there's confrontation, there's God's wrath. Um, if that's not intense, I don't know what is. But, but we're going to see tonight that Moses sees the horrible sin of the people for the first time. He became angry, hot with anger, right? And he broke the tablets, burned the golden calf, confronted Aaron, and interceded for the people. So again, we're going to pray, and then we'll get into these verses tonight. Well, Heavenly Father, we just thank you for your word. Thank you for the privilege, the opportunity to open it and to get into it and just go through it. Lord, we pray that as we go through your word, that you would um, just teach us and that we would integrate these truths into our heart, Lord, so that we would not only observe and interpret, Lord, but, but also apply to our lives, Lord. It's so the Bible, the word of God is so relevant, Lord, uh, for today, for us, for believers, Lord. It's old, but it's not outdated, <laughs> so we thank you for that. So pray that we, uh, you just speak to us tonight, in Jesus' name, amen. So verse 19 to 21 says, So it was, as soon as he came near the camp, that he saw the calf and dancing. So Moses' anger became hot, and he cast the tablets out of his hand and broke them at the foot of the mountain. And then he took the calf, which they had made, burned it with fire, ground it to powder, and he scattered it on the water, and he made the children of Israel drink it. And Moses said to Aaron, what did this people do to you that you have brought so great a sin upon them? So here we see clearly that, clearly that Moses puts an end to the disgusting sin of the, of the multitudes on the base of the mountain, like he throws it down. Like Remember, God was angry. Remember before this, we read that God was angry. Moses intercedes for the people. God relents. So God, you know, God relented. But now as Moses comes down and he actually sees what's going on, you know, as he comes down with Joshua with him, he sees what the people are actually doing, and it's not pretty. It's very bad. It's actually really perverted. They're engaging in and they're participating in this gross immorality and this major sin. So Israel broke the covenant by their idolatry and immorality with the golden calf. So Moses broke the tablets with the law on them, which is seen more than just getting angry and so throwing something, right? You ever get angry? You don't have to raise your hand or answer, but you ever get angry, you just kind of like throw something, you're like, ah, you know? I'm sure none of us have, right? Um, maybe once or twice, but you get angry, you just throw something. I mean, it happens, but here with Moses, it's an act that tangibly demonstrates what was going on in the heart of the people. So the children of Israel broke God's law. Moses broke the tablets with the law inscribed on them. 
So Moses was hot with anger, though, man. The word anger here in the Hebrew means breathing through the nostrils. You know, you ever been angry? Like, try to hold it, you know, just like breathing, like fuming with anger. None of us have been like that ever, right? <laughs> no, no. Oh, yeah, but fuming, just so mad. Moses was, Moses was mad, not because he hated the people, I don't think. I think because he loved God and he wanted to lead them to be obedient to God. And so if we examine the life of Moses, like he had to deal with anger actually throughout, the, throughout his life. Some would even say he had an anger problem. In anger, he killed the Egyptian, remember? In anger, he broke the tablets. In anger, he hit the rock that God commanded him to speak to. Hey, just speak to the rock. Ah, he was so mad, you know, the people. But this display of anger kept Moses, the last one, kept Moses out of the promised land repercussions for sin. We, we do reap what we sow. What's interesting, though, is that Moses was known to be the meekest man in the world, and this just kind of astounds me. Because if you look up the word meek, what it means, meekness means a behavior that is righteous with humility and to have patience. And, and Moses got angry at the beginning of his life, the middle, and the end, like big moments. You know, Romans 12, or I'm sorry, not Romans, Numbers 12, 3 says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. Right? He was known for his meekness, for his patience. Yet, the very thing he was known for, he failed at. And so sometimes we struggle in the area where God has given us strength. Like he's given us that thing. He's given, maybe, it's, maybe it's supernatural patience. Maybe it helps. But maybe, okay, so it's, hypothetically, maybe it helps. It's like, I love helping. I just want to serve. But then someone says something to you. They make a comment. And all of a sudden, you're like, I'm not going to serve anymore. I'm not serving today. I'm mad. You know, I, I'm, I'm not going to do that. So you stop your service because of something that happened. Oftentimes, what God strengthens us in, we sometimes fail in. But again, every failure is a moment and opportunity to learn from that mistake and grow. But Sometimes we struggle in the area where God has given us strength, and that's what Moses did. But God's grace. Thank the Lord for his grace. Like, I think it's significant, though, that Moses even had the tablet since his meeting with God was interrupted, remember? And so, but I believe it was a, a show to show the children of Israel the severity of their sin. You know, they, Moses was mad. He was hot with anger. He threw these tablets that he got from the finger of God that, that wrote the finger. He threw them on the ground and broke them? I mean, wow, you ever get shocked at another's anger? Some, some believe Moses sinned, actually, in breaking the tablets. And it's true, when people get angry, they're in danger of breaking God's commandments. But the action of throwing down the tablets seems like an act of justice more than an act of passion. And here's the thing, Moses never speaks of, of breaking the tablets in regret after this moment. Even as Moses retells the story in Deuteronomy 9.17, he says, And I took the two tablets and cast them out of my two hands and broke them before your eyes. You know, Was this holy and justified anger? Maybe. It's a good thing, though, to have such a heart for following God that when those who you know stray from him, you're concerned about it. It affects you. You know, if one suffers, we all suffer. You know, have joy when those who have joy, uh, cry, weep with those who weep, and it's like we, we're in this together, you know? And so when someone strays, when someone goes off the path of God's will, when they go way out there, and you're like, what's going on? It, 
It should affect us because we love them. We want to see them walk with the Lord. We want to see them grow and stay on God's path. We spoke about this last night at the Pasco home, and uh, we must make, we, talk, we talked about like you know just we hate sin, like we do not like it. And when a brother or sister strays, that should we should care about that. Not like ah whatever they're off into the world. I'll find another friend. <laughs> you know, no, we're a body of believers. We all have our function, and we, we're in this together in unity. We must make sure to hate sin and confront those in it. And then in verse 20, this idol had been the center of worship at the base of the mountain, an adoration that had been the center of immorality. But notice something here. No one challenges Moses at all. Do you know what I mean? Like, no one makes any excuses. No one's like, oh, it's not what it looks like, Moses. We, we didn't do it. Someone else, another group came by, and they made this thing and just left it here, so we're like, hey, let's just party. They didn't try to make excuses even. <laughs> You ever just get caught, like by, by the Lord or whatever, or when you're a kid by your parents and you're just like, you don't even have any excuse. You're just like, I did it. <laughs> There's no excuses. Moses came down from the mountain too with the demeanor of a man who had been with God, because he had. In other words, Moses had the authority and the strength of one who had total confidence in his creator. I mean, it was, again, this was like an intense moment, and Israel knew it. They didn't say anything. You know, Moses took the calf in a display to show the worthlessness of false gods. He melted the calf down. He reduced it to dust, showing the lack of power of the false gods. And we'll see in Exodus 34, God actually says, destroy all of those things. Get rid of them. Break them down, burn them, destroy the idols. And so Moses, by taking this action, he showed the children of Israel that, that relics of idolatry should be abolished, should be destroyed, should have no place in the life of a believer. But when it comes to cutting off sin, it would be extreme. You know, and Jesus even elaborated so much on this. When he said, if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your left hand causes you to sin, cut it off. If your eyes cause you to sin, if you look at things that are unholy, pluck them out. Now, uh, this is a figure of speech. This is not like literal, right? Or we would all have no hands, no feet, no eyes. But it's just go to the extreme when it comes to sin. Go to the extreme. Don't just be like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. Like, I'll resist tomorrow. I'll, find, I'll muster up enough strength you know, to resist that thing. No, go to the extreme. Do whatever you have to do. To not sin. We will get tempted all the time, but go to great lengths to not sin. How strong is, is a God, though, that you can actually melt down and scatter? Not very strong. Weak. <laughs> False gods cannot help their worshipers. And so Moses scattered the ashes in the waters of Mara, or Mara, and the very waters that the Israelites were drinking from. This was their water supply. So he scattered it in there. There you go. So if you want to drink a water, you're going to drink your false god. <laughs> Pretty insane if you think about that. So the idol would be ingested. What entered the stomach was the ashes of their false god. And so which would actually be turned to waste, if you know what I mean. And so that's what the Lord thinks of false gods. Proverbs 14, 14 says, The backslider in heart will be filled with his own ways. And so here's Moses, hot off, <laughs> off the mountain, angry, confronting Aaron, and he asks him a question. And this is a really telling question. He asks, What did this people do to you that you actually have brought so great a sin upon them? 
Moses quickly confronts Aaron. Why? Because Aaron was the man, Aaron and her, but mostly Aaron we see in the scripture. Aaron was the main man left in charge of the people. He had the responsibility of stewardship to make sure the people were on track. And so Moses does a Matthew 18 that Jesus explains later in the Gospel of Matthew. You confront a person who has sinned against you, who has sinned. Confront him. Don't just let it go. Confront him. Now Moses got that this wasn't Aaron's plan. You can see by even the question, you, you, couldn't, you couldn't have done that. You couldn't have, how'd you allow it to occur? And you implemented it? You, you know, it's like, what? And again, a huge part of leadership, and we looked at this, but a huge part of leadership is saying no. The ability to just be like, no, it's not going to work. No, don't do it. <laughs> don't do it. Don't go that way. We know that's not where God's leading you. You're telling me with your, with your lips right now, don't do it. Don't go there. You know it's going to be bad. Don't go. I mean, don't, especially if the question has to do with, with moving away from God's will and sinning. I mean, it's just, this is a serious thing. So the only biblical instance of congregational leadership is when the people, remember the people, they wanted their own God in Samuel, or their, I'm sorry, their own human king. They didn't want a theocracy. They wanted a, a somewhat tangible like the other nations, right? And Samuel's like, no, no, we're not going to do that. Of course not. No, no. And they kept arguing with him. Remember, and God's fin- God is finally like, okay, just give them what they want. Let's see what happens. <laughs> and he gave them a human king, right? And they were happy at first until that human king had a whole bunch of faults and messed up and led the people astray, and all kinds of horrible stuff happened. Moses was called to lead. And Moses put Aaron in charge, so Aaron had the responsibility. But Moses said yes to... Um, Moses basically calls out Aaron, you know, and, and he calls out Aaron, but he also intercedes for him. Like, he calls out the sin, but he doesn't go, get out of here. Like, run off into the desert and get lost and die. I don't care. Like, he didn't do that, right? Like, he calls out Aaron, but we see Moses still loves him. He, he didn't just forsake him. Deuteronomy 9.20, Moses says, and the Lord was very angry with Aaron to have destroyed him, and I prayed for Aaron. So Moses' question caused Aaron to consider his actions. Like, what you have done, you you brought sin upon the people. Basically, Aaron aided and abetted, (laughs) right? And, And those who bring sin upon others, either by drawing them in or encouraging them in it, they're, they're aiding in suffering, really. I mean, those who participate in sin together ruin each other. And you, you think that it's less guilty if you both engage in sin together, but you're ruining each other. You're bad influences on one another. It's not a good thing. But, but notice the question connotates that the people did something to Aaron for him to go along with this idolatrous plan. Like, why did Moses say this? Because Moses knew Aaron. He, Aaron was upright. Like, Aaron was, you know, my, bro, my older brother who followed the Lord, who loved God, who's with me in this. There's no way he could have done it. You ever... Find out someone's like in sin or forsaken the Lord or off in the world of backsliding. You're just like, who? What? That person? It's almost like shocking. Like you do not believe it. Like no way. Did the Israelites threaten to stone you? Did they, they freak you out with their, with their threats? Did they say, we're going to kill you? How did they tempt you, Aaron? Like what is going on? Because they couldn't force you to go along with their plan. What happened? So... In verse 22, we continue, and it says, So Aaron said, here's his reply, Do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. 
For they say to me, Make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. And I said to them, Whoever has any gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire, and this calf came out. <laughs> like a, really? Aaron's answer is excuse, basically. You know, like now Aaron should have recognized that he sinned against God first and foremost. But notice it's Lord with a small L. He's talking about Moses as a leader, and he's saying, "I'm sorry, I sinned against you, Moses." But if he should have been like, Lord, "Moses, I'm sorry, I sinned against the Lord." Aaron blames the people, though. Aaron had authority over the people, but he, he claimed the people had power over him. So Aaron didn't use his authority to restrain the people. Instead, he yielded to them. And that's like, will you give in to the crowd or will you stand your ground? Will you blame others for all the ways you messed up? Or, you know, will you take that responsibility? And so, I mean, it just came up. Like, we just, I threw the gold in there all of a sudden. It's like, wow, it just evolved over time. <laughs> over the day, it just, here's the golden calf. It's like, there's no, there's no good excuse, in other words. And so now in verse 25 and 26, we see kind of like God versus idolatry. In verse 25, it says, Now when Moses saw that the people were unrestrained, for Aaron had not restrained them to their shame among their enemies, then Moses stood in the entrance of the camp and said, Whoever is on the Lord's side, come to me. And all the sons of Levi gathered themselves together to him. So Moses gives a challenge. And how many of us know if we're not challenged, we will just grow complacent? He gives them a challenge like, this is time, stand your ground or not. Like, so the people were unrestrained. They were engaging in sin. Moses gave a public testimony against sin at this moment, right? And Moses calls the people to take a stand against it. So the Levites, they were all for forsaking sin. Like, yes, let's forsake it. They gathered with Moses right away. Boom. No hesitation. Take a stand against sin, or sin will crush you and create a barrier between you and the Lord. And so he says, okay, let's make a stand. You're either for God or against him. That's what God says too, right? You're either for me or you're against me. You're with me or you're scattered. That's what the Lord says. He's an all or nothing God. Yeah, you know, I have dabble a little bit in the world, dabble a little bit in Christianity, dabble a little bit in Buddhism, dabble a little bit in this religion and that. No, it's all or nothing. You're either my whole heart or none of it. So what happens? Well, the consequences are really severe. In verse 27, it says, And he said to them, after they separated, right? He said to them, Thus says the Lord, God of Israel, Let every man put his sword on his side and go in and out from the entrance of the entrance throughout the camp, and let every man kill his brother, every man his companion, and every man his neighbor. So the sons of Levi did according to the word of Moses, and about 3,000 men of the people fell that day. Then Moses said, Consecrate yourselves today to the Lord, that he may bestow on you a blessing this day. For every man has opposed his son and his brother. Man, so the execution of 3,000 siding with the Lord meant siding against some people. Like, are you staying on the Lord's side or are you going to worship your own false gods? 3,000 people fell that day. So the sin of Israel involved more than 3,000 people at least. And now most think these were most likely the, those who were deep in the sin and those who were actually leaders of the golden calf thing, you know? But the ones who encouraged the masses to forsake their maker. Like, see, it, it's dangerous. Like, the sin encouragers who 
were God discouragers. They, they were killed. The problem solved. But the thing is, when you're following God, not everyone's going to follow you. Not everyone's going to like you. Not everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, you're, just everyone, you're the best. You're, you know, we're not people pleasers. We're God pleasers. And so it's not like we want to cut ourselves off from unbelieving friends or whatever. We still want to witness to them, but as we follow the Lord, people will be offended. People will be like, I don't get it. I don't want anything that you have. And so it's like, but that's okay because we're lights into the, into the Lord. And for the Lord, we're reflectors of him. But this was an intense judgment. I think it was setting the precedent to show how serious it was to actually forsake God and worship false gods. Because he already had said that earlier in Exodus. Um, so... Verse 30, it says, Now it came to pass on the next day that Moses said to the people, You have committed a great sin. So now I'll go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. And then Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, these people have committed a great sin and have made for themselves a God of gold. Yet now, if you will forgive their sin, but if not, I pray, blot me out of your book, which you have written. And the Lord said to Moses, whoever has sinned against me, I will blot out of my book. Now therefore, go lead the people to the place of which I have spoken to you. Behold, my angel shall go before you. Nevertheless, in the day when I visit for punishment, I will visit punishment upon them for their sin. So the Lord plagued the people because of what they did with the calf which Aaron had made. So in verse 30, look at after all of this, right, after, you know, Moses comes down the hill, uh, comes down the mountain, I mean, and, and sees the sin, uh, the wickedness of the people, throws down the thing, confronts Aaron, the people, uh, you're with God or you're not, there's, they're, they're killed. After all of this stuff, Moses intercedes for the people and just he has a heart for the people still. So even though Moses was initially angry, he confronted the people, those engaging in the sin were taken out, and Moses prays a second time. He intercedes a second time for the people. I, Moses learned on Mount Sinai the penalty of idolatry is death. God had said that when he was up there on the mountain. Exodus 22.20 20 says, He who sacrifices to any god, he shall be utterly destroyed. And here's evidence of that command. And so we should have the compassion, though, enough to intercede for others. You know, there's enough... <laughs> There's enough people that aren't happy and angry and just mean. And there's enough people that are mean in the world, right? Believers are called to, be with, to have kindness and love. God's going to be just. But the unbelievers will know us by our love for one another. And the unbelievers walk, you know, walk all over people. You know, we, we're called to walk up to people, not all over people. We're called to walk up to them, to talk to them, not at them, in kindness and compassion. That's why I love the... The Gospel of Luke, which we're starting next year, it's, just, it's all about Jesus showing compassion to those who do not deserve it. But here's Moses' bold request. Moses didn't go easy on the people, you know, because they worshiped a God of gold. But people these days still worship gods of gold, you know. They, yet now, um, he says, yet now forgive their sin. Forgive them, please. Moses knew the depth of their sin, but still asked forgiveness. He could have stayed hot with anger and just been like, yeah, Lord, take him out. You know, I'll, start, I'll light the match. You just throw the gasoline on it. No, he had grace and mercy for the people who messed up. Moses says, punish me, not the people. And of course, we know Moses is a type of Christ. I'll take the punishment for them. They, you know, they deserve it, but I'll take the punishment. 
Such grace. The Lord's answer, response to the prayer of Moses, God agrees to spare the people. And this was God's promise to stay faithful to Israel and that his presence would stay with them. Promises that God had already made. He says, I will visit punishment upon them for their sins. So remember, this whole generation of Israelites, remember they, they would never enter the promised land. Joshua and Caleb would because of their courage and boldness. But it says the Lord plagued the people. So me, referring to the 3,000 that were taken out. So we see, we see a, lot in, <laughs> a lot of lessons, really, in this chapter, right? We see the anger of Moses, but I don't, uh, people have different interpretations. I, I don't believe he sinned. I believe it was holy anger as he saw the people was angry, like, how could they do this? God delivered them, you know, out of slavery. God did so much for them already. He's feeding them daily. And so he was, he was angry. He threw those things down. And at the same time, he had to confront Aaron. He could have been like, you know what, I'll deal with that you know, next week. You know, sometimes we put off confrontation, and then we just kind of like forget about it, and it may come up later, and it may bite us. It may, it may mess with us. It was like, I should have, that person's gone now. I should have said something, you know, when the, that prompting of the Holy Spirit is like, you need to confront that person. They're not doing well. They told you the other day they were struggling with all these things, and they, they're not looking... You need to pray for them, you know? And so, but Moses, I think, and I know we had the discussions about this, but Moses wanted to lead well, right? And in order to lead well, you have to be obedient to God, but you also have to have a heart to see people get into the sheepfold, if you will, to, to walk with God, to follow him right, and not forsake him, because it should grieve us, right? It should grieve us when someone's walking with God and they stray away. That 99, when that one gets lost, that should be like, oh man, let's go. You know, Jesus left the 99. They're all good. I'm going to go after that one. We should have hearts like that, hearts for the lost, hearts for those who stray away. That's why I love when people practically, like, they're like, and we should do this, honestly. We should do this for one another, like, hey, where's so-and-so been? I don't know. I usually talk to him. I usually text him. I usually email them. I'll call him. I love that because it's like you want to check on one another to make sure everything's good, to make sure you're okay, to make sure you're not getting into like a down pit, you know, and you're just like isolating from everyone. And it's like check on your brother or sister that you haven't seen or heard from in a long time. I mean, because we're the body of Christ. We should weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. And so I think we see the heart of Moses. He was human. We see his humanness too. The meekest man in the world got, got pretty angry. <laughs> um, but God's grace. And so we see God's wrath, Moses' intercession, God's grace, the repercussions of sin. So many lessons here, you guys. And so that's why I kind of want to have a little bit longer discussion time. So let's pray and then we'll talk about it tonight.